What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Wyoming Podcast. Um, today we're going to be getting into a takeover reaction, a SummerSlam reaction. Um, I have a special guest, uh, my colleague and friend BJ from Aussie Lucian is uh, going to join me here in a few to talk about the uh, NXT TakeOver Toronto, give his thoughts on that, and then after that I am um, going to get into SummerSlam, uh, you know, but just I want to say thanks for listening no matter how much um, you take in my content, everything. Uh, you know, I do appreciate everything, whether you listen to once every other week or once, you know, to every episode, every second of every episode, or follow me on Twitter and Instagram and uh, retweet and like my stuff. I do appreciate it. As you guys know, available here on the Anchor app, which I record all my episodes on, also on Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple, Pocket Cast, the uh, Breaker, Radio Public. Um, so plenty of ways to keep pull in my content, um, I just want to reach out, say thank you, go give me a follow at Wyman Podcast 1, um, go also follow the Overtime Heroics guys over there at OT Heroics 1, great guys, they just helped me out with a uh, SummerSlam giveaway that um, I announced the winner of that on my Twitter, so that was a, um, a cool little partnership we did for a few days that started on Thursday and ended um, right at the end of SummerSlam, did a uh, free giveaway, some cool stuff there. Um, so, you know, give me a follow on that Wyman Podcast One or OT Heroics One, Overtime Heroics, and you will uh, be sure to see some, hopefully, some more partnerships and more giveaways like that for the uh, bigger events uh, coming up once again. Um, so, let's get right into it. Gonna. Just wanted to do a little intro right there, and uh, when we get back, we're going to have BJ from Aussie Lucian on the pod talking NXT TakeOver Toronto. What's going on, guys? Grant Pushkar here, joined by my co-director, Victor Williams. Are you looking to bring more attention to your sports content? Over at Overtime Heroics, you can be a part of a growing sports community such as podcasts like my own, Cleveland Surge, and my own Philly Special Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to share your sports opinions, they also have an active forum for all sports topics. So if you want your sports content to be heard amongst other sports fans, go over to Overtime Heroics forward slash forums and make your first hot take today. Hey. Hey, BJ. How's it going? What's going on, man? Not much. Um, oh, I love that accent. I love your accent. <laughs> I don't have an accent. You're the only one with an accent here. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't sound like I have an accent. <laughs> Does that actually sound Australian? Yeah, pretty much. Finally, someone that says it sounds Australian. The last time I was in America, I... I was with my family, and my dad's from England, and the waiter said, oh, you sound like you have an English accent. Looked at my mother. Oh, you sound like you have an Australian accent. Said the same to my brother, and then looked at me and said, I don't know where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I dig the Australian accents. I, um, 
I don't know why, but I always have like a bunch of Australian guys on Twitter and um wrestling's obviously huge in Australia. You know, you guys kinda get forgotten about down there sometimes I think, but um uh, you guys are some of the biggest uh wrestling fans, I think. Oh yeah. I'm actually amazed that we sold out well, I don't know if it was a sell out sell out or not, but the fact that when we had Super Showdown for the MCG I was quite impressed of how much of a crowd it actually drew. I knew there'd be a lot there. I just didn't think it'd be that much. Did you end up going to that or no? No, I live way up the north end of the country. I would have loved to have gone. So, hypothetically, if you were to go, like, how long would it take you to get there? Like, because explain to us how, like, big Australia actually is. So, it's the state I live in, which is the on the east coast, the northernmost state, Queensland. It's about tw- from the top end of Queensland to the bottom end of Queensland where you hit New South Wales. It's about a 12-hour... No, hold on. I live... I'm halfway up and about two hours inland. So for me to get to the state capital down the bottom of the state, it's about a 12-hour drive. Damn. And I mean, to get to the state capital of New South Wales, which is the state underneath us, it's maybe a three maybe four day drive depending on what route you take and how fast you drive and how many hours a day you spend driving so you're basically like california and they were basically like in florida for yeah (laughs) i mean how long is it how long is it to get from lax to jfk well the fly i believe it's like in between five and six hours i think to fly, not to drive. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Probably at least a week, maybe ten days, depending on who's driving and how fast you're going, I suppose. So that's gonna be curious now. Yeah, because I went from Seattle to Florida in about three days, but we didn't really stop. We kinda stopped. We like semi stopped for like four hours at a time, but we we really pushed it hard, and we still took still took us three days. But um, I mean, that's wild, man. Maybe they'll come up uh, come up in your area next time they're down there. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm in a small mining town, but if you're going to come to Queensland, Brisbane's the place to go because you've got the Gold Coast, which is about an hour away, and the Gold Coast sand actually gets taken out and imported to Hawaii. Really? Yeah. Well, did, uh... So, yeah, Hawaiian sand comes from Australia. Okay, so, um, getting into the takeover last night, did you enjoy the show? Did you watch it live? Did you rewatch it? How did you um, take in TakeOver yeah. last night? So I sat in bed and watched TakeOver live this morning. <laughs> I woke up, turned on the pre-show, and I sat there watching the pre-show while um, basically phone in hand with Twitter on, keeping up to date with all of it. And just on the pre-show alone, the chemistry that... Um, Sam and Pat have, I'm just like, they could 
book a rivalry out of this and actually have a match. And then, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was fantasy booking this morning. Yeah, I do enjoy those pre-shows. They usually um seem, well, it's NXT, so they seem, always seem like more loose, I guess you would say. Um, mm. I assume Vince and the uh, um, 85 producers and the 75 writers and everybody's not really there. I mean, obviously you have Triple H and his little crew, but they always seem more like laid back and relaxed and uh, just even the people you have on there. I mean, you have Pat McAfee, who's a former football player, and you have Sam Roberts, who's kind of like this uh, wrestler. you know, famous wrestling podcaster. So it's not like the typical crew you would see on a, um, you know, SummerSlam or WrestleMania uh, pre-show. Mm. So I do I do always enjoy that instead of just seeing the same, uh, you know, Booker T or JBL or The King, Jerry Lawler. Those guys, yeah. uh, those guys get really, really repetitive sometimes. But I like, you know, I enjoy them. But sometimes it's good to just mix things up and have people, um, fans, I guess I'm trying to say, you know, those, the two on the NXT pre-show are really more just fans, um, than like actual WWE, you know, employees. So I do always enjoy those pre-shows a little more. They seem more real. Uh, Yeah. Definitely. But, um, not a bad pre-show. Getting into, I didn't see anything happen on the pre-show. I don't know. I might have missed something. Um, I'm always like in and out on those pre-shows. Yeah, no, I'm. I glance over while I'm on Twitter. Like I'll go back and forth between my phone and the TV. Right. Yeah. Do you reckon they should have matches on the pre-show like the main pay-per-view cards do? Um. Well, no one was really missing because I know they do like a dark show and then that's taped um you know so like this upcoming Wednesday you'll see the matches that were taped for like I think it's before the show or after the show I'm not sure how they do it but they'll they'll have like two or three matches that basically are pre-show matches but they just use it as an episode of NXT um so I guess that's like their pre-show match I mean if you wanted to have like a uh what you call it, Matt Riddle match. That mm-hmm. would have been cool, but then if he was on the pre-show, I'm sure there would be like this uproar on, on Twitter that, you know, why is Matt Riddle on the pre-show? He deserves better, you know, so. I don't know. I think I like them just sitting there talking and bullshitting and um, save to save the few matches they have for the main card. Yeah, it's definitely different. But no, I do agree with you. The pre-show, as you said, I suppose in a sense we do get to watch the matches from the pre-show. We just got to wait till Wednesday, or well, in my case, Thursday. Yeah. So um, no matches on the pre-show, which, like you said, it's all right with me because we'll see him anyway. Uh, yeah. And pretty much no surprise. Two started off the show, in my opinion, anyway. The tag champions, uh, Street yeah. Profits, Dawkins and Ford, defending against O'Reilly and Fish, the Undisputed Era. And um, I thought this was kind of a slow start, kind of like, you know, people were 
waiting for it to really amp up. But uh, once it did, you know, it got the crowd into it. And um, what do you think of this match? Any um, high spots you liked? Any strange things you see happen? Any um, – were you surprised um, by the outcome? Were you expecting an undisputed era uh, victory here? Yeah, I was expecting an undisputed era victory here because I was going in thinking come end of night we're going to see a undisputed team of gold. But I think it was good to see the Prophets actually defend the belt successfully. And having them come out first to kick off the pay-per-view or the take the network special, their entrance music just has a good party vibe to it. Like, it's what got me amped up for the match. I haven't been a fan of the Street Profits because it's I haven't seen much of them. Like, yes, they've got the good comedy gimmick to them, but this match was a good way to show that they can hang with the best of the best. I just didn't see them on a level of the Undisputed Era up until maybe tonight. Even then, I don't know if they're the team I would have had picked to hold the gold for the tag team division. But the match itself was a clinic. I mean, you're going to get that with Fish and O'Reilly in there. They're just two masters of the map. Yeah, I think, it. Um, you know, people have to temper their expectations sometimes you know you got to build a story and set the tone a little bit and sometimes that takes a few minutes you know you could kind of see people getting anxious and uh you know people even sending out tweets about it you know getting off to a slow start but i think in the end they they set it up nice they had a uh obviously one of the better matches of the night i mean only five matches but they still um produced i think on their end yeah and, um, I actually like the Street Profits winning because I, I don't know. I'm just undisputed. Era, I think has had their, their time with the gold. I believe they've already been two time champs um, with the tag belts. So yeah, you know, but they were building it up that they could be the first three time tag team champions. Yeah, I just I think they just kind of just put them on the card just because of their name value at this point. I don't think they're ever really going to um, yeah win the titles more... again. It was more about giving them um, credibility. Right, yeah, they kind of getting building street profits up, which kind of um, I kind of wonder who's going to step in next. I, I like the Forgotten Sons, but they haven't really been yeah uh, pushed in. Like, you know, they're getting a little spotlight, and then they kind of pull them back a little bit. They're like a lower-card team. They right. haven't, they've lost the tag team division in NXT a bit ever since, I don't know how. Like, they had Black and Ricochet, but even then, they didn't feel like a tag team. They lost the Viking Raiders, or the Viking experience, as we call it. Yeah, I'm trying to really think. Um, you know, well, you obviously have the Revival. You have DIY breaking up. Um, I mean, before Undisputed Era, I'm trying to really think of who was um, the dominant one. The Viking Raiders, like you said, kind of just... Uh, ease their way out of NXT for pretty much no reason since they're not really being used on the main roster right now. But um, I don't know if you have the, uh, what you call it, Breeze and Fandango go after them because they're both, um, you know, fan favorites. Oh, um, yeah. That would be, could really be an interesting good. match. Yeah, it would be a really good match, and I think it would be a really 
entertaining um, build between those four yeah. for sure. But it's just, you know, you kind of make the fans choose on who you want to win. Um, but Or do you have um, the Forgotten Sons take the titles and then lose them to Breeze and Fandango? Because there's a rivalry there as well. Yeah, I think at, at this point, the Forgotten Sons is really the only heel tag team now that Undisputed Era's, you know, had their shot and gotten beat. Um, I think you have to go for, you know, for the next one up, at least you have to go Forgotten Sons to at least um, give them a shot. I mean, let them see what they do. And plus, the next takeover is probably not until Survivor Series anyway, so, you know. Yeah, it's um, the War Games takeover. Yeah, so let you know, Street Profits will hold it for another two to three months, whatever the dates uh, work out to be, and then you could get Forgotten Sons in there. And then um, even if they beat Street Profits, you know, you could always uh, do a, a second match or a rematch, and, you know, you could drag it out. You know, WWE could drag stuff out for six months sometimes, really, when they want to. Yeah, I mean, you could always have Breezango and the Street Profits versus the Forgotten Sons in a War Games match. Damn, that's good. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that would be some good stuff right there. But the like, thing you'd, about... have to, you'd have to put the Forgotten Sons over in that, surely. Yeah, the thing about Forgotten Sons is, though, I think um, the best guy, they're, they're, in my opinion, their best guy, Jason Riker, I think his name is, isn't in the tag uh, team. So, yeah, Jackson uh, Riker. Well, yes. you've got the Freebird rule as well, because, I mean, you look at Undisputed Era, they've all held the tag team gold at some stage, but yet they're only two-time tag team champions. That's true. So maybe you could use him and... Um, what's the guy's name? Not Murphy, the other guy that was with him. I always forget his name. Wesley Blake. Yeah, Blake. Because those are two of the more uh, bigger guys, I think. You could have the them iron- in it. The irony, you forget their name, hence they call the Forgotten Sons. <laughs> I know, I, and it's, <laughs> it's, it sucks because I really do like them. I freaking like what they've been doing. I like their uh, whole package and stuff. I've been rooting for them since they debuted. Mm. But um, they just haven't really been like in the spotlight as much. And, you know, it's hard with Undisputed Ever there still, so I can't really blame them. But, uh, you know... I, like I said, I like Street Profits winning. I think they get a good amount of eyes on the tag tag division. They're entertaining as hell. Um, I don't know if they're going to keep showing up on Raw and stuff or if that was just, you know, a random thing that they were doing. But mm. well, that's the other, Yeah, that's the other reason I thought they were going to lose is because they've been on Raw, so I thought they'll lose the titles, go to Raw, and then we'll finally get the UE holding all the gold. Because, I mean, that's what they keep promising, which is why I also had Roderick Strong winning that triple threat match by pinning um, Pete Dunn. Yeah, I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought it was going to be the other way around, honestly. I thought Dunn was going to beat Roderick, and then they were going to do like a Dunn Velveteen Dream thing, you know, Mm. towards the next one. But... um, I didn't think – I'm not sure anybody had Dream winning that one. Honestly, that's all yeah. people picking Roderick, picking Dunn. I said the same thing. No one gave Dream a chance. And now it's like um, – I, I thought Don was 
inserted into that match purely to take the pinfall so they didn't make um, the dream look weak. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. I didn't think Dream, dream was going to take the pin, but I didn't think he was going to win either. So I thought it was definitely going to be between uh, Dunn and Strong. But um, Felstein Dream's got a nice little title run going here. This was a another uh, really solid match. And um, Pete Dunn, one of my top ten wrestlers, I think, right now, man. I, I just always enjoy... Like every match he has, whether it's on NXT UK or a TakeOver or, you know, wherever, a regular NXT taping. I just don't think I've ever seen a bad or boring Pete Dunne match. Have you? No. I yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of Pete Dunne at first, like I, but I think maybe that's just because I didn't get the character. But he's really grown over, grown on me over time. Um, now, do you think what um, probability of the Bruiserweight would would it be for the Bruiserweight to head to the Cruiserweight division on a 205 Live and make a run for the Cruiserweight title? Or do you think he like sticks around regular NXT? Does he go back to NXT UK? Um, I don't think he's going to be on the main roster, unfortunately. Yeah. I think Triple H is going to try to protect him as much as he can from that right now. Yeah, well, I think they've got plans for him in NXT at the moment. I mean, if I was booking it, I'd have Tyler Bate beat Walter. I'd have Don eventually win um, the goal, the NXT goal, for instance. You have Tyler Bate at a NXT TakeOver winning the gold on the same card that Don wins the gold as well, and have a end of the moment where they both hold the gold up standing next to each other. Kind of like how they did with the North American Championship. Um, Gargano and Ciampa holding the NXT Championship. That's how I'd book it. Man, it does sound pretty cool. Yeah, I'm all um huge Tyler Bay fan, huge Pete Dunn fan, so um, I'll definitely be in for that. And um, But as for Dream, you know, does... um. I mean, I don't know, does Roger get another shot here? Or does somebody, you kind of see somebody new popping up, maybe like a Matt Riddle or a Killian Dane, whoever wins that little feud, maybe they're the next in line for Velveteen? Well, they could always mix it up and say, for instance, put um, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong go after the tag team championships and then put Bobby Fish against Strain. Mm. And then when Fish loses, send Kyle O'Reilly against Strain and try and find out what combination works in the tag team division and whatever, and then have eventually have them win all the gold, because I think that's what a lot of people want to see, and that'd be good booking to have Undisputed Era truly run NXT. Yeah, I think... I don't really know what they're waiting on on that, because now uh, Adam Cole's getting a little... Um, his title run's getting a little lengthy... Um, so I don't know how long they want to keep it on him. And by the time everybody else catches up and gets a belt of their own, uh, mm. I don't know how long though they they really want to run with it. But for now... Well, I was going to say, he hasn't had it that long, has he? Well, when did he actually... Cause I think this was the second title defense, right? Because he won no, it. He, no, 
He won it at the last takeover. Oh, so this was only his first one. Okay. Yeah, because the last takeover was Johnny versus Adam 2, which is where he won it. The one before that was takeover 25, and that's where Johnny won the title in the two out of three falls match. Right, okay. Yeah, so maybe they will run with him a little long, but um, I don't know if they're ever going to pull the trigger on that Undisputed Era stuff. I really don't. They just have too much talent in NXT. Mm. It's just hard, like, uh, unless they really want to call up, um, you know, Velveteen and uh, Street Profits, you know, for them to lose the belts, I think they would have to be getting a call up or... Because yeah. you're not really... just going to have them in NXT, you know, not on TV at this point. Yeah, as nasty as it sounds, I really don't want him to call up Vel- Velveteen to the main roster. And I mean, I know he wants it, and by God, he deserves it. But I'm the whole reason I worry about it is because I'm scared they're going to murder the character and Dream's just going to go down the chute. Yeah, I could. Uh, I could definitely see him doing some weird, like just outrageous stuff on Raw. That you know, they like they could take that character and just like make it totally weird and outrageous. And um, yeah, well, look what happened to the Ascension, the most dominant NXT tag team champions, and what's happened to them? Well, shit. I mean, authors of pain too. I mean, I know they've had some injuries as well, but... I, I mean, think they still are injured. Yeah, I mean... They, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, Bobby Roode. Nakamura's had an okay uh, main uh, roster. Ty Dillinger. Drew McIntyre. Uh, Samoa oh, Joe. No, I was going to say, Joe and McIntyre are doing all right for themselves. Well, yeah, they're on TV, but they're not... They've stayed relevant. They may not have had a major title run, but they've been dominant. Yeah, I think um, for you to have heels like that, and they once they lose like four or five times, and then it's like, you know, they did that with Bray Wyatt a few years ago where he would just talk, 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 and then he would get beat by John Cena, and then he would get beat by The Undertaker, and then he would get beat by uh, Roman Reigns. And then it's like, all right, dude, you're promo, you know, I don't believe you anymore. You're full of shit. That's where I think they're leading to with uh, Samoa Joe and Drew McIntyre is, you know, they're, there's th- these big tough guys on Raw and SmackDown. But, you know, when the big fight happens, they, you know, they choke or they don't get the job done, which sucks because I like both of those guys. Yeah. Um, I fear that's how Velveteen Dream would be used. I feel Velveteen Dream would be. You know, cutting these promos and doing these, you know, uh, pre-taped segments, you know, whatever he's doing. And then he would just end up coming out and getting beat, which I think that's just terrible to do for for a, uh, especially a newer guy on the main roster, like Velveteen. Mm. So I'm, I'm definitely happy he won up. I, I would have loved to see Pete Dunn win, but I mean, he was UK champion for like two years, so. Fuck him. He doesn't need another belt, right? Yeah, no. If <laughs> I mean, if he got, he doesn't need it right now, but it'd be good eventually. Yeah, I think eventually he definitely should get another belt. But what I mean, so the the whole bruiser weight 
on for the cruiserweight title? You're not feeling that or no? Think it'll be like lost at two hundred five live? Well, I'm not actually against it. I just don't see it happening. I reckon he could have some great matches up there. I mean, you've got Isaiah Swerve Scott, Pete Dunn. Oh, imagine Drew Gulak versus Pete Dunn. Oh man. Yeah, I think, and I think Pete Dunn would bring more of. Um, I mean, I you know I don't know the the viewers or the streams or however they calculate who's watching what, but. I think Pete Dunn would definitely at least bring the UK audience to 205 Live, if if not anything else. Yeah. What I do mean, they need to do to save 205 Live? Because it was relevant at one point. It, when they had Neville there, when they had Enzo there, it was relevant. They were main eventing Raw, but since then it's just gone down the shitstorm. They got to put it um, on TV. Either as a as a two hour show on FS1, mm. or split it up with NXT. Have have like an NXT 205 live yeah. show for two hours. Because when um Enzo and Neville were main eventing Raw, especially when Enzo was doing, I was always tuning into 205 live just to see what had happened. And since they're gone and. Maverick took over. I've just lost interest. It hasn't caught my attention. Do they need? How do they build a star up? To do they need to put them back on Raw? Yeah, I don't know about Raw. I think they, they, um, I think they really should keep their own show. But I think they should have it. Like I said, they they just need some kind of TV exposure, and they need. At least if you give them an hour, because it's hard to give them just a match, because mm. some people um, will still skip it. Some people just will miss it because you know they fall asleep or whatever yeah. happens happens. I mean, you do have Lucha House Party on Raw, but they compete as essentially Raw superstars. So maybe yeah, instead of having a match on Raw, you have them as a separate entity invading Raw. And then you put 205 Live Stars in matches against Raw to show what they can do. And then it comes to buy the series. You've got a Raw vs. SmackDown 5-on-5, five five, a Raw vs. 205 5-on-5, five five, and then a SmackDown vs. 205 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. I heard um, also rumors of uh, Daniel Bryant going there. I heard rumors of uh, Johnny Gargano going there because obviously um, they would obviously fit the cruiserweight mold. So if they wanted to put him on TV, I mean, and you have Daniel Bryant and Johnny Gargano, and then you throw a guy like Pete Dunne on there, I mean, mm. if that if those three guys can't get your viewers up, then just cancel the 205 Live stuff because I mean, yeah. you're just not going to get people to watch if you can't get people to watch those three. Um, uh, you know, of course, on top of the great guys that are already there, you know, Gulak and uh, Cedric Alexander. Uh, well, Tony Alexander's East, I really not like. there anymore. Oh, is he just like strictly Raw now? Because I know I've seen him on Raw a lot. Yeah, he, no, he's officially a Raw member, kind of like how Ali's over on SmackDown. Ah, okay. Yeah. See, that's how they kind of ruin it too, because then how could you put it back on Raw if you're basically using 205 Live as another call-up system kind of thing. Well, no, it's 
wasn't so much a call up because when he came to Raw, um, who was it that went to two hundred five? They, um, Chad Gable went to two hundred five live. Oh yeah, right, right. They did it around when they had the draft or whatever they call it, Superstar Shakeup. Hmm. Yeah. See, I don't. Then I don't know what they would do. Um, I think they should try it on TV, and if it doesn't work, just push. Uh... NXT to two hours. Screw it. That's what I yeah. would do. If, if Fox lets them, I don't know if Fox would have to pay more money for that to add another, you know, two-hour, um, you know, time slot or show or whatever. I don't know how they all do that in the TV world, but... Um, well, we've we gotten sidetracked. Yeah, I forgot. We went over... Okay, so... We skipped the uh, Elo Shirai Candice Ray match, which I thought was a hell of a freaking match, man. They got the spot outside the suplex onto the table, like in the first two or three minutes, I think it was. Mm. Um, it did some other crazy spot too, but I don't remember what it was. But anyway, they were really, um, really fast paced, more fast paced than. Uh, some other women in the NXT women's division. Yeah. I, I think they really showcased their talent, and I think they really um, let Candice LeRae be Candice LeRae and not Mrs. Gargano for, yeah. for, like, once, which I really did like, even though they mentioned Johnny Gargano, like, I it's don't know, a hundred times. It's the best LeRae's looked in a ring. In NXT, yeah, for, for mm. sure. But I don't know what it is, but her NXT matches a bit for me personally have been hard to watch. Like I watch it and I'm just like, is there something I'm missing? Because everyone's praising her and I'm watching her. But I mean, the two good matches she's had has been with obviously tonight with Io Shirai and Zelina Vega. And to yeah. me, the only reason she had a great match tonight is because of Shirai. I feel like Shirai's a beyond phenomenal performer and that she carried that match and the same with Vega Zelina's just like a freaking cruiserweight do you think um, were you upset that uh, Candice LeRae lost she thinks she should have won here get some revenge back on the heel Elo Shirai because I think Elo Shirai should have won since I believe he turned somebody heel or you know when you do a big turn of a character you have to build that new character you can't yeah come out and just have you know a string of losses i mean so, um, it was it was definitely the right decision but i was supporting loray because i mean i love the loray character i've always been a fan of candace but definitely eo winning was the right decision i was disappointed when um candace lost but right. it would have it wouldn't have sat right with me had she have won well, they did kind of protect her, didn't they? Have her uh, pass out or you know lose consciousness? Yeah, she um, got choked out by whatever whole EO used. It looked yeah. like a brutal submission. Yeah, it was kind of a douchebag move too, because she was like uh, holding her hand so she couldn't tap. Mm. Which, which that was kind of that was kind of being a dick too, but. Um, you know, I don't know. Some people say, oh, you don't pin them or, you you know, they don't tap, you protect them. But then it's like, 
you know, kind of getting choked out is kind of getting embarrassing too. Um, mm. I don't know if you've ever been personally choked out, but it is well, kind of embarrassing, man. Yeah, it was like when Finn got choked out by Samoa Joe and you just had that zoom in close up of Finn unconscious yeah, and this like big blob of slobber coming out of his mouth. I know, it's really, uh, I think I'd rather just tap and just get out of there. I don't know. Yeah. But either way, Elo Shirai wins. I think um, she should keep winning for a little bit. Like I said, you know, you do this big heel turn for a big uh, a star like she is. She has a really uh, big following, and she definitely deserves it from her in-ring work. And, um, you know, her promos are always going to be rough just because of, you know, language barrier, difference, whatever you want to call it. But um, I think that's also what makes her a good heel, too, is you don't have to worry about saying too much when you're a heel. Mm. So I think that's where they kind of messed up with Asuka and um, a little bit with Nakamura is, you know, you're trying to win this crowd over, but you can't really – decipher what you're saying so i think all those guys with the language barriers are always better as as heels so they they started that right off the bat with uh yeah eo makes such a great heel she does and um i saw they're doing a uh there is this rumor of a black and yellow faction forming i don't know how much did you read (laughs) into this i saw i saw something facebook not Facebook, um, Twitter. I saw it, um, Becky Lynch, Io Shirai, Kevin Owens, and who was the fourth one? Um, Mustafa Ali, actually, the, the the guy that. Yeah. Yeah. They um. I think, and it's strange because it, I think they said they've all debuted. I don't know if it was the last month or two months. Whenever, because I think Becky was the first one to do it, probably like two months ago. Or yeah. three months ago. I forget when she switched her black and yellow stuff. And then K.O. got his new shirt. And Ali well, and Elo had that since he returned. Yeah, but he's had different... I know he has like a black and gray one. Then he obviously has the black and yellow one. Yeah. And the then, black and uh, yellow one's for when he's a face. The gray one's for when he's a heel. Ah, is that what it is? Mm. That's what I'm assuming. Because he was a face with the New Day with the black and yellow. Then he turned on Kofi. And that's when he brought the gray one back. And then he went face again and then pulled out the black and yellow. Okay. So now I got to get two Kevin Owens shirts when I'm like in a bad mood. I got to <laughs> wear the black and gray. And then yeah. when I'm like in a good mood, I had like a good night's sleep. Then I wear the uh, black and yellow and I could be part of the, the faction. Mm. Um. What the hell else happened? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, Shayna Baszler and... Um, what's her name? I forgot. Mia Yim. Yeah, yeah I just, I'm just i so over Shayna Baszler, man. Do we have to talk about this? Do you like Shayna Baszler? Uh, compared to the Mae Young Classic, yeah, I do. She's come a long way, and I don't think Mia Yim was the right person to take the title off her. The Mia Yim character is still relatively fresh, and I'm just not buying it. And as I said earlier tonight on Twitter, Mia Yim just feels like a second-rate Gail Kim, and that's how she felt in Impacts when she was known as Jade. 
Um, one off Mia Yim. So I don't think Mia Yim mm. will get another shot unless she's in like a. I don't know if they're going to do like a triple threat or anything crazy, but. Um, yeah. I mean, what you do with Yilo Shirai or. I don't know. Well, everyone was saying that this match wasn't as good as the Shirai match, but I enjoyed this one more. This match was more my style. I didn't. I just, I just I'm so over Shayna Baszler. It seems like it's the same match a lot, if you ask me. There's just too yeah, much grappling, and like even Pete Dunn will switch. You know, Pete Dunn will keep you engaged. I know Pete Dunn does do a lot of grappling and that, you know, holds and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. And Shayna Baszler, even like those leg kicks she was throwing, like, it just it's like looked... a John Cena match. <laughs> yeah. It just looks so lazy and like so, I don't want to call her lazy, so like, like she's going through the motions sometimes because she's like, she knows she's going to win. This girl's not going to beat her and, you know. I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't know how her personal attitude is, but some of these matches just come off as like they're they're just killing time to just fill the time. I don't know. I'm just. Yeah. I, I'm never into Shayna Baszler, but now at this point, I just don't know. She would have to be in a triple threat to lose, I think, right? Or like a fatal four way, or a a ladder match, maybe. Like I don't think anyone's really gonna pin her or. Definitely not submit her at this point. I mean, she's got such a huge build. It's her second NXT Women's Title run, and um, yet again, she's just uh, running through everybody right now. Well, I, I think they're waiting for the right person to take it off her because is there really anyone as big as her in NXT at the moment? I thought Bianca Belair should have took it off her when she was still undefeated. Uh... I think Bianca Belair is over, man. She is now, but she only became over because of that takeover match with, um, yeah, because of that takeover match. But up until that match, she wasn't over. And in that pre-show to that takeover, as Sam said, she shouldn't have been in the match because she was, she hadn't earned her spot there. And that's, like, it sounds harsh what Sam said. I get where he's coming from. He probably just didn't use the right words, but it felt like you're putting, for instance, Dana Brooke in a championship match with Ronda Rousey or Charlotte Flair. You're not going to believe that Dana Brooke could win it. Yeah. Well, uh, so what about now? You think... uh... Maybe Bianca Belair gets back into it because I don't think they'll do Elo Shirai and Shayna because yeah, I mean, well, who do you root there, for? There is a rumor going around that because of a story that's already written in there that the person to take the title off of Shayna Baszler is Dakota Kai. Oh, okay. Yeah, I always forget about her. That's uh, Bailey's little sister or something, right? Her cousin. I, I think they're, I think no, they're related. Dakota Kai's a Kiwi. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. She's an Australian sister, basically. Ah. I would, um, I actually like Dakota Kai. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but it's like, mm. I don't know. Would it be well, believable that she beat Shayna at this point? Because, I mean. Shayna 
injured Dakota, so maybe Dakota comes right. back more aggressive and has a plan of attack. Takes her out, maybe. Um... She's more of a stop. She'd definitely be going in as the underdog. But was it oh, ever believable? Yeah. Was it ever believable that Daniel Bryan could beat Brock Lesnar? No. Did he? No. No. Yeah, but it, no. <laughs> it was believable at one point. You almost thought that Daniel Bryan had Lesnar. Even though it was heel versus heel, I actually thought Daniel Bryan had him. Yeah, they could. Um, and I don't think Shayna Baszler is physically imposing as uh, Brock Lesnar. But just the way they've booked her with these submissions and the grappling... And, um, you know, all that stuff, it's just, I just don't know who they would have be. I was only thinking Bianca Belair just because she's, um, I think she's bigger than Shayna Baszler, like, physically. Yeah. So I was thinking Bianca Belair, but um, Dakota well, Kai, I, I always forget about Dakota Kai, and I really do like her. I think, um, I really wouldn't mind her getting a title run because she's been hanging around NXT for a while now. Yeah, mainly because she's been injured. She's been over to NXT UK at one point, but maybe that's how you book it. Have a triple threat between Kai, Belair, and um, Baszler. What about Rhea Ripley? That You just said NXT UK. Oh. And I thought of um, Rhea Ripley because Tony oh. Storm's fighting the other girl, right? Like, Rhea Ripley's yeah. not in the title match, but she's fighting. Rhea Ripley's the only one that's on par with Tony Storm. Yeah, that they're, they're obviously the two. Um, I like I the girl Rhea Ripley's fighting with though. I always forget her name. The um, yeah, I forget her name, but she's good and she's like a bigger uh, girl. She reminds me a lot of Kevin Owens. Actually, she's like a female Kevin Owens. But um, Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler—that could be an interesting match. And she would, um. I think she would believably beat her because Rhea Ripley's freaking huge, man. Yeah. But then again, if they did, if they had Tony Storm beat Rhea Ripley, I guess they could have Dakota Kai beat Shayna. Now that yeah. I think about it, too. Um, but either way, I kind of, I'm not bummed because, like you said, me and Yim, I I honestly don't believe Mia Yim was ready, but I also just uh, wanted to see Shayna lose. But we'll save it for another takeover, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then that's it, man. Just um, one more match left. The main event, uh, two out of three falls or three stages of hell, whatever you'd like to call it. All right, so... I, someone brought this up. Why didn't they just call it a three stages of hell match? And my counter argument to this was a three stages of hell match is three separate matches on a card. So, for instance, if you go back to the three stages of hell between Auden and Triple H, they had their first match as the kickoff match for the show. They had their second match halfway through, and their third match was the main event. So, to me, it was a two out of three falls match with different stipulations. It wasn't three stages of hell. It was one match with three falls, not three separate matches. Did you... Did you like the way they started off with the 
um, regular match. I think they kind of, I, I mean, I like how it ended up, but I think they kind of did. I thought they were going to go the opposite way. They had Gargano kind of lose his head, get disqualified, and then. Uh, I, see, Cole. I don't think he lost his head. I think it was Gargano saying, screw it. I can lose this fall. Let's just get into the street fight so I can use weapons. I think it was Gargano with a tactic more than actually losing his head. Yeah, and I took that as more of a heel move. Like I, I got, saw that happening, but I thought it would be Adam Cole doing it to Gargano. And then... well, that's the thing. Was it a heel move or was it cerebral? Well... If Johnny Gargano did it, it's cerebral, I guess. Mm. If Adam Cole did it, now it would be he'll move. Yeah. <laughs> but um, either way, it worked out because they um, – and it did make sense in the long run because you had – you know, you didn't want anyone to get pinned twice, which I understand because these guys are two huge stars. So once he got disqualified, I kind of was thinking, okay, Adam Cole should win now. I don't think Gargano's going to sweep him here. And, um, you know, I, I think they're going to play the story off as Gargano got disqualified and, like, gave Adam Cole a fall. And, uh, and then went and tapped him out. But that traditional right. wrestling match, so the stipulation was chosen by um, Cole, which was, in a sense, a smart move. He's pinned Gargano before in the two, first two out of three falls match. Right. And, man, as usual, they just put on a clinic. Like, I didn't want it to end. And then when the straight fight came on, that was just that sense time. I would love violent matches like that. Yeah, the street fight was crazy and they know they know how to be violent, but I don't think they went um over the top with it. You know, they didn't yeah, have like exactly. cheese graters and like uh, you know, all kinds of, you know, stop signs, like weird shit out there just like banging each other in the head. They were still yeah. doing like technically sound wrestling moves, but they were also adding their um... the environment to it, right? Which is what a street fight is. You're fighting essentially on the street, so you're using your walls and buildings and what's on the street. You're not. It's not about the props, but the environment, and that's what a street fight is. Yeah, I I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I think, um, like I said, yeah, Gargano get DQ'd. And then you uh, had Gargano win the second fall by submission, which they're going to play up so fucking much. Um, even if Gargano ends up leaving for 205 Live, or I'd rather see him go to 205 Live. I really don't want to see him on Raw or SmackDown because um, uh, he's not going to do anything. It, it's just, He's not going to do anything. I'm telling well, you, he's too friggin' small for Vince. I worry that if he goes to 205 Live, he's going to get forgotten about. I mean, how many people know that Chad Gable's on 205 Live? He was more popular when he was American Alpha. Well, we'll see. Well, like I mentioned before, we'll see if they're really going to do the TV thing. Because if you get Gargano called up there, and then you have a guy like, um, you know, like I mentioned, Daniel Bryant being rumored, if he moves over there, then it's like, all right, because you're not going to keep those guys on a one-hour show streaming on the network. Yeah. You know, you're going to – you're obviously moving to some kind of cable network TV, whether it's regular Fox or FS1 or, you know, some yeah. kind of Fox Sports outlet. Can you imagine that, though, Gargano versus Daniel Bryan versus Chad Gable in a triple threat? Or make it a four-way and add Drew Gulak. Uh, Drew Gulak, uh, 
Tony Nice, Jack Gallagher. I mean, just throw the whole division in there. I mean, yeah. all those guys. I love all those guys, man. I just, like you said, I just forget about it because it's on the network and it's on a friggin' Tuesday night at, what, 10 o'clock after SmackDown or whenever the hell they do it now. I just, yeah. I always well, forget mid- about it. Midday for me, so I've got, um, because we don't have it on free to wear here, like we've got to pay to watch it on what something like $80 a month. And I'm just like, yeah, what? no, I'm good. Yeah, it's what we so we've got free to wear TV, which is you've got um, SBS, ABC, which is the Australian Broadcasting Network. You've got Channel Seven, Channel Nine, and Channel Ten. Now Raw airs on Thursday night on Channel Nine, and then SmackDown on Friday night on Channel Nine. But that's like days after. So the live feed airs on Fox Eight, which is on pay per view or what we call Foxtel here and you get a Foxtel bundle. So you get like a whole load of movie channels, sport channels and other channels. Like the, we've got an Australian version of the USA network and you get all that in in a bundle for like $80 a month. And it's just like, yeah, no, I'm good. It's like satellite TV. essentially. (laughs) Yeah. So basically I stream it on my phone and then I, I forget that, um, 205 lives on because when if I can either watch it on Sky Sports 1 and get all the UK adverts or I can watch it on the USA network and get all the American adverts and when I do that I think afterwards they have that's why I forget about 205 live because I get caught up watching um, I just think oh yeah American TV let's see what the Americans watch I end up watching um, Crisley Knows Best (laughs) Stupid. Yeah, it's like, oh, what is this garbage? Is this like typical American TV? Mm, sadly, yes. I've never watched it, but yes, it's mm. it's very successful. It's on like season eight or something like that. I don't even know. Gosh. I mean, it, before Raw, you get um, Modern Family. I quite enjoy that. That's yeah, that's good. They win like best comedy, I think, for like yeah. Seven or eight years running. Yeah, well, we get that on Channel 7 over here. So, as Modern Family is very popular over here as well, as is The Big Bang Theory, which I was sad that that ended. Well, speaking of being popular, Adam Cole, I don't even know where to start with this. Um... Did you enjoy the final fall? Um... I would have enjoyed it if it was one match. If this that final fall was like a match, like by itself, like you said, if it mm-hmm. was the main event and they had this uh, street fight in the middle and they started off with the singles, then I think I would have enjoyed it more because they just been through so much and through yeah. so um And it was already a really friggin' long match. I mean, yeah, it went for an hour. Yeah, and that last fall went for what probably twenty minutes of it, at least fifteen twenty minutes of it. So it's you like it was what twenty minutes or thirty minutes for the first fall, ten minutes for the second fall, and then twenty for the third. Yeah, I think. so I, I don't know. It's not that the, that they lost my attention, but at some point, it's like okay, how much, how much more well, can these guys do? That's like you know we went. We went into the night knowing that if it went to a third fall, Regal would pick the stipulation. And the thing right. was, no one knew what Regal would pick until the pre-show. 
when he revealed it and everyone's just like, oh my God, it's a steel cage match with weapons. And I'm just like, where's Mitch? I'm like, the Ambrose Asylum's coming back. Yeah, it definitely they reminded need... me of the uh, Ambrose they... Asylum back with need... Dean and Jericho. Mitch with the pot plant. Yeah, like I said, I thought it was a really good match, but I, I don't know. I just at some point, I, I, not that, well, maybe I was fatigued, but I think if you're going to yeah. do a 16-minute match, why not just have him do an Iron Man match? I mean. See, I reckon they could have had an hour in that steel cage. Or, yeah, like, yeah, if you want to do one, uh, you know, the whole thing in there, just one fall in there. Like I said, if it was just one match in that cage, then I think it would have had my attention more. It would have um, mm. meant more. But I think... Well, um, we were all thinking there was thumbtacks in that bag. Like, we saw the cage come down, and I saw the bag, and I'm just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I'm, like, freaking out, thinking this is awesome. And then he opened the bag up, and everything came out. And then he didn't even saw... use any of it. He had some cool shit in there, man. He had brass knucks. He had mm. uh, handcuffs. He went and used the bolt cutters on the barbed wire, and I thought, oh, this could get interesting. Gargano lock using barbed wire. And then I thought when they got up to the top there, was that a glass table they were standing on? Uh, that's what it looked like. I really don't know what it was supposed to be there. I don't know what the purpose of that was. Maybe for more support. I don't know. As dangerous as it sounds and as much of a sick puppy as it makes me sound, I would have loved to see someone get power bombed through that glass <laughs> table. Uh, yeah, that's had, uh... savage and mean. Like I wouldn't wish that pain on anyone, but that would have been entertaining as hell. Yeah, I think um, I don't think you're gonna see Adam Cole for at least another two or three weeks. And uh... yeah, well, the same with Gargano. Like when Cole pins Gargano. You could see what I think was blood in his back. I don't know if it was blood or just tables, but you could see slight scratches in his back. And I knew it came from crashing through that table because they showed that fall in slow motion and you couldn't see the scratches when they fell off the glass table. But when after they went through the table and pinned him, you could see the scratches on the back, whether it was blood or not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I think, um, so as for Gargano, it seems like he's kind of headed out. I don't know. Like I said, I really don't want him to go on the main roster because he's over. Don't get me wrong. He's a great guy. But if you look at the champions right now, who, I mean, who's he beating? Maybe Nakamura for the IC belt. Um, he's not beating a Brock Lesnar. He's not beating a Kofi or a Randy Orton. Um, even an AJ Styles, I don't think at this point he'll beat right now. I, well, you could you could always put Gargano up against Samoa Joe. Well, yeah, if you if you're a new guy and you're really over and you need a win, I mean that would really be your first match would be Samoa Joe or Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Ricochet can beat Joe, why can't Johnny? I would actually have him beat Samoa Joe and uh, Bobby Lashley. Andrew McIntyre at the same time in a fatal four way. Yeah. <clears throat> that's what I would do. But that's just me. I think one thing I would do, totally off topic here, is for NXT, have 
the women's tag champs come down to NXT and defend the titles down there. Yeah, they have to because they they I don't think they have yet, and they've advertised. Well, I think Sasha and Bailey like cut a promo like when they were first champions, but they've never mm. went down well, there. I like know fight. Bailey and Banks went down there to fight. They never got in an actual match, but they got in the ring and chased off. I think the Sky Pirates were getting attacked by um, Shayna Baszler and her crew. So oh, yeah. On and then, obviously, the Hog and Boss got involved. But I think that's all it was. Which is a sh- shame that... I mean, were you more of a fan of the Kabuki Warriors or the Sky Pirates? Um... Well, Sky Pirates are annoying. I'm more of a fan of, uh, like, Water Pirates. But I think I've, I'd rather have the uh, Suzuki Warriors. What are they? Oh, Kabuki Warriors. I'd rather have them um, just because I, I think they're more credible um, just with Asuka. And, um, I mean, I don't know how credible Asuka is anymore. But, yeah, ever uh, since she lost her. Charlotte, not at WrestleMania, but the second time around. Yeah, and she never really had that big um, title run like she had in NXT, which kind of sucks because you got these guys that, um, or I guess girls, you could say, with these nine title runs and seven and six and, you know. The fact that Charlotte has tapped Asuka out twice and both times was for the Women's Championship. I mean, how do you rebuild Oscar after that? Like, well, it should be with the tag titles, but, um, you know, mm. Alexa Bliss has to stay on TV. Oh, they should not have taken the titles off the Iconics. Um, well, good Both news is that up. the uh, Kabuki Warriors are getting a title match on Raw. I don't know if you saw that. So maybe... Um, um, they get a win and um, get their get a nice little title reign there. Yeah, I'm still salty over the Iconics losing. I want the Iconics to go back to NXT now. They're getting treated like garbage on the main roster. Yeah, I am too. But like, um, you know, I mean, they're so entertaining and they've got all these entertaining segments, but they're all on um, dot com specials. Or dot com exclusives. Yeah, I think. I mean, if it, I don't know. I like the iconics, but I also want to see the titles on TV. So, I mean, if putting it on Bliss and Nikki is going to get the titles more action um, to kind of build a division, then yeah, um, well, I'm definitely for it. I don't think they did it to build the titles. I think they did it to build um, Cross. Yeah, it kind of gives that uh, storyline more meaning, maybe. Yeah, they're ignoring the titles. They're focusing on Bliss versus Cross. That's where that's heading. What the hell are we talking about? Oh, uh, Adam Cole. (laughs) So, I don't know what the hell is happening with Gargano. Like I said, I'd rather see him take a month, two months off, 
after that match, you got to sell it. Even if you're not, you know, injured or whatever, sell it a little bit. I don't need to see him on, like, Raw tomorrow night. Mm. You know, like, I hate when they do that shit. Um, and like I said, who is he going to beat on Raw right now? Uh, even SmackDown has Roman Reigns and uh, KO's a huge star over there. And uh, Randy Orton's not doing the job to Gargano. Sorry. Yeah. I wish well, he would, had- but... They had a network exclusive afterwards or a dot com exclusive, whatever it was, where Regal raised Johnny's hand at like it was a typical send off. But if you listen to what they've said, um, when Chomper comes back, he's openly said he's not going to the main roster, he's coming back to NXT. And Johnny's also said that he sees NXT as the main roster, so going to Raw wouldn't be a call up. It'd be Essentially, just trading shows. Career suicide, I think. Mm. Um, you send God do do the same what they do with Dino and send him over to the UK. Now that would be cool. Now I'd be down for that. Um, you could have some good matches. Oh, Gargano versus Walter. Oh shoot, Walter, uh, freaking Wolfgang, the coffee, uh, Joe Coffee. Uh, um. I'm probably forgetting somebody. The Kiwi Buzzsaw. Yeah, the Banks, the, what's his name? Finn Balor's little brother, uh, Devlin. Yeah, Jordan Devlin, Flash Morgan Webster, Ligero. Yeah, they have so many good, I love the NXT UK shit, man. It's hard to keep up. That's another one that's hard to keep up with. Mm. Um, because the new episodes for us here, in my times, I'm at anywhere on at like 2 in the afternoon. So, once again, I always freaking forget about it. But oh, you're lucky with NXT UK being two in the afternoon. We've got it five in the morning. Yeah, and I, well, maybe if Gargano goes there, it'll it'll get you to get up at five in the morning and see what's going on with uh, uh, Gargano and um, I. See, they have the live episode at five in the morning on the network, and then they have NXT later in the morning at nine a.m. Well, no, ten a.m. And when NXT finishes at 11, then they show NXT UK, the replay, at 11 in the morning. So I just end up watching that. I didn't even realize I was missing it. I thought I was watching it live, and I couldn't work out how is NXT UK on live straight after NXT. I'm like, that just doesn't make sense. It was only like a couple of weeks ago I realized what I was missing out on. I'm like, damn. So do you think Ciampa comes back and is the next challenger for Cole or maybe Pete Dunne? I don't see how Pete Dunne's next in line um, after losing. Um, maybe Velveteen Dream wants two belts. What about Velveteen Dream? He could have all the gold. You know, why would Disputed ever have to have all the gold? Or maybe you have a number one contenders match and you put um, Ciampa... Versus Pete Don in a number one contenders match. And you've also got to keep in mind there's Riddle and then there's Killian Dane. Yeah, I think. See, that's tough, though, because I want Killian Dane to win, but I also think Matt Riddle should, um, if not be next in line, should in the next six to ten months maybe get an NXT title shot. 
Because mm. I think he's super over with the crowd, and I think him and um, Adam Cole would be some wild, wild stuff. Yeah, it's an atrocity that Riddle hasn't had gold yet. Or um, he could be the next guy for Dream because, you know, he's still got the two heel champions. So uh, maybe Riddle well, does Dream again. Uh, is Dream really a heel, though? I think, well, is Adam Cole really a heel? I mean... Yeah, Adam. I see Adam Cole as a heel. I don't see Dream as a heel. Yeah, you don't think so? I, I think they just have such followings in NXT that I think people just root for who they root for. And I think... Um, you know, I think Champa really gets the most heat, but you know he still has people cheering for him, and he's gonna get a huge pop whenever he uh, shows back up. Yeah, well, he's another one. He's see, I don't base them whether they heal or face on their crowd following. I base it on their actions, and Champa sort of had a slight face turn just before he got injured. Well, yes, he was a he was more doing dastardly moves, but he had somewhat respect. He wasn't I suppose in a sense he was more of a dastardly heel than a cowardly heel. Yeah, I think Dream um I think he flirts on the line with it. Like he doesn't like go crazy heel stuff. I guess you could say the same about Adam Cole too. He just um, out wrestling, especially last night, he didn't have the undisputed era come down and help him win, which he could have in the street fight, which I was um, a little surprised. No one at least made an appearance. Yeah, but it is so it is so weird hearing you say watching NXT lo- last night because I'm like I watched it today, it was live <laughs> today. I can't say that last night crap for another hour and a half. You have to do Ciampa and Cole, and then you could do Riddle and Dream, or um, or Killian Dane and Dream. If Killian Dane went, I mean, they're kind of building up Killian Dane. He did that big spot off the stage last night, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they're trying to really push Killian as a single star for once. He kind of broke away from Sanity. Yeah, um, well, I think Sanity's pretty much dead. Yeah, well, his um, partner is a part of Imperium now over in the UK. Right, and then Nikki Cross is a women's tag champion, and Eric Young is uh, a joke in catering. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I wouldn't be surprised because I, from what I heard, even when Sanity was still running hot in NXT, I heard Killian Dane was supposed to get a big a, a singles push on the main roster, but yeah. it never really happened. When you know they got called all up together, and none of them really did anything besides. Uh, well, that's Nikki the Cross. thing. They didn't even get called up together because Cross stayed down at NXT fighting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's him. right. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, Killian Dane and Dream would be a hell of a match, too. Or well, Why don't they do a triple threat? Riddle, Dream, and uh, Killian Dane. Interesting. Well, actually, there's another match I'd like to see. Riddle versus Dom.
Can you hear me? Yeah, I think the connection dropped out a little bit. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, I was saying <laughs> Riddle versus Don would be a good match. Riddle versus Don. Okay, yeah. But you don't... Um, I mean, like you were saying, you don't think Riddle should be in a uh, title picture match thing? Or well, hold him off more, a little bit? I was more thinking of a number one contenders match. Instead of oh, rather okay. just throwing yeah. someone in the title picture, have him truly earn it. Or have a number one contenders tournament. Mm. So That'll like they do with the Dusty Cop, have a tournament and the winner of it becomes the number one contender. Yeah, well, either way, I think um, I think Adam Cole definitely has a lot of challenges, um, as well as Velveteen. Not so much for the women's and tag division, in my opinion, but um, still the... Definitely going to be chased after here, headed into the Survivor Series takeover, which... I don't know where that's at. I forgot. But, um, uh, two war games. Yeah, war games. See, that's interesting what they do with that, too, now. I don't know, um, if they're going to do like a tag thing or, I don't know. Pete Dunn competed in last year's war games. Yeah, I know. Who else? I know Undisputed Era's been in it. Pete Dunn's been in it. Yeah, well, the Era's been in it twice. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else has been in it that's on the roster. But uh, we'll see what they do. I'm sure it'll be great either way. I mean, it's, Oh, yeah. It's always a good match. <laughs> I mean, it's takeover, you know. But um, as a whole, what did you think of the show? Uh, ten stars or five stars? Um, Eight thumbs up? I mean, what do you As got? all takeovers are, it was... On par, it's it's been hard. Every takeover seems to not just set the bar but raise the bar. And I think with this one, it didn't quite raise it, but it's definitely up there. I wouldn't put it as the greatest takeover ever. No, I wouldn't. About either. a month ago, I did a i I went on the Badlands podcast with Mags, and we did the Mount Rushmore of takeovers. But this wouldn't be on the Mount Rushmore of takeovers. Yeah, I don't really think it was either. It's not that it was bad. Like It was a great takeover. It just didn't stand out. The only thing that made it significant was that last fall of the match. If yeah. they had that as a single match inside the steel cage, oh, man. The brass knocks. I thought someone was going to use bolt cutters on knuckles i know they didn't um they didn't really dive into that bag too much which i was kind of uh, disappointed with yeah well they even the commentary team brought up do you remember wrestlemania when triple h had the bolt cutters on batista mm, mm-hmm. i mean that was really hard to watch that is the first time i have gotten up and walked away from the tv when Triple H pulled Batista's nose ring out with bolt cutters or pliers, whatever it was. Yeah, that was really gross. <laughs> that was so cringy, but like I understand the savageness of it, and 
it's not that I'm saying it was too far, but for for me, it was just very wow. But then again, I'm the one here saying I want to see bolt. Actually, that's something Pete Dunne do use bolt cutters on someone's knuckles. Well, maybe we'll see it at the next takeover. Hopefully, that's what I'm rooting for. Oh, imagine a war games match filled with weapons. They could do that. That's actually, um, yeah, maybe they could build off of what they did last night and kind of um, carry it out into war games, or at least have the barbed wire at the top. I, I always like that, uh, like prison yeah. cell, like cage uh, or prison fence feel. Like there's really no escape. Mm. Um, well, the only reason I wouldn't say barbed wire on top of war games is because it's always produced like. One year you had the Tower of Doom, another year you had a moonsault off the top of the war games. You put the barbed wire on there, you take that element away. Yeah, that's true. Well, we'll see where they go with it. They have Triple H. months, three months to build this thing now. So yeah. I was going to say Triple H, um, Canyon Seaman, whatever his name is, and Regal or whoever does booking for NXT. They really need to listen to all these independent podcasts because there's always someone with a great idea on it. That a brutal idea, but man, <laughs> I've heard some great podcasts with ideas. I mean, look at the ideas we've come up with just on this one. Well, uh, speaking of great podcasts, I think this has been one. Um, I enjoyed it. Seventy-four minutes now. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is the longest I've talked on a podcast. Well, this is, um, again, this is BJ from uh, Aussie Lucian on Twitter, at Aussie Lucian. Um, go give those guys a follow. Anything you want to plug here, BJ, a podcast, a website, a, yeah. uh, so, anything? As, as um, Craig said, I'm BJ from Aussie Lucian. Uh, Aussie Lucian. I've got my podcast with Mining for Mayhem. You can find my co-host, Seth, at underscore at peggles underscore underscore i've also got my youtube channel my channels aussie lucian and i'm putting up some when i say great content it's stupidly ridiculous for those that need a good laugh go over and watch the content over on my youtube channel because it is ridiculous i mean i put up a video tonight of my two hand puppets um billy k and peyton royce going Oi, Kayla! Where's Kayla? <coughs> and I'm like, where's that iconic interviewer? She's so schmeck. And I've just, I've got my um other character up on there with a mask that I, not painted, but coloured in myself. And I call him Malvado Cerdo, which from what, it took a while because I originally called him Soto Malvado, but it translates to evil pig. And there's a whole story behind that for a totally another day that happened between Wolf Queen, myself, and Mike um, B. Bebe over on um, Queen's show. Well, not show, but experiment she did called The Re- Wrestling Real World. But yeah, there was a lot of stuff over on that that spawned that essentially. And it spawned from Wolf in a fantasy match against Mike threatening to throw 
a jar of piss and it's a story for another day that you'll actually you can probably hear it on my podcast mining for mayhem but yeah you can find mining for mayhem at any um place you find your favorite podcast on whether it be spotify it's over on anchor go give us a listen you'll thoroughly enjoy it seth and i have lots of fun doing it yeah thanks for having me on i really enjoyed this all right bj yeah it's been um fun i'm definitely gonna have you on again maybe <laughs> um maybe like a takeover preview next time or a uh wwe yeah, pay-per-view preview or um, i'd be down for that something you know because um you obviously know your stuff you uh dive into this stuff like i do so um yeah 20 years of wrestling knowledge i think something like that yeah i'm around there too about 1997 1998 is probably when i first remember uh watching and going to raws and stuff but 2002 for me bj at Aussie Lucian, go give him a follow. Go check out his pod. It's been great, BJ. I'll get definitely get in touch with you to have you on again, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Definitely. I'll we'll stay in touch because I'll definitely get you on um Money for Mayhem one day, hopefully. Oh yeah, I can do that. Yeah. And then I can get you truly mining for some mayhem on that. Mmm. That'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, BJ. Thanks for coming Thanks. on again, man. Cheers, bud. Appreciate it. All right, bud. Talk to you later. See ya. All right, we're back here talking uh, SummerSlam. Going to run through the card, give you what I thought about the card. Uh, Once again, thanks to uh, BJ from Aussie Lucian. Great stuff there for the TakeOver recap. Um, Diving right into the... uh, what you call it, SummerSlam card. Just going to go down the line here, not going to uh, jump around and get crazy with it. You had the um, first match of the night on the pre-show was the Cruiserweight Championship match. Oni Lurkin challenging the champion, Drew Gulak. And I um, I like this match. It was a pretty uh, hard-hitting match, which you, know, you could expect from these two. I think... Um, you know, cruiserweights do get still undervalued and underlooked, but I really like this title run from Drew Gulak they're doing. They're giving him a nice push, and, um, you know, he had a solid opponent in Oni Lorcan, but I think I think it was the right move to just keep it on Drew Gulak here. Um, nothing nothing um, big that really happened here, I guess, uh, would you say? Not, not really a uh, story um, feud like a heavy, heavy uh, story involved feud here. It's kind of just two, two good wrestlers going at it for the uh, cruiserweight belt, and um, they didn't disappoint. Good match. Just I don't think there was enough of a story of a background and all that stuff to get fans too invested uh, into it, and um, definitely not enough story to change the change the title or the champion at that time. So. I like the decision to keep it on um, on Drew Gulak there. Next up on the pre-show was Apollo Crews versus Buddy Murphy. Kind of a random match. Um, but, but pretty much this was just to set up Eric Rowan attacking Buddy Murphy at the end. Um, 
or I guess towards the end of the match outside the ring. You know, they saw Buddy Murphy kind of snitch out Rowan on the SmackDown, the go-home show of SmackDown leading into SummerSlam. Roman Reigns kind of forced it out of him. And you see Buddy Murphy give up Eric Rowan, and Eric Rowan obviously saw it watching it on the, the Titan Tron while him and Daniel Bryant were in the ring after their match. So you have basically this match was to just set that angle up of Eric Rowan attacking Buddy Murphy after, which was, um, you know, we'll see where they go with it now, headed into the Raw and SmackDown. We'll see where they go. If this is going to be an Eric Rowan and Buddy Murphy storyline, or is Roman going to be involved at all? Because they didn't really do much to to um, enhance the story. They, you know, they played the video packages throughout the night of like what happened with Roman Reigns with the forklift thing and the the uh, car accident, or I guess it wasn't an accident, the uh, hit and run. Um, but they never really have Roman come out and say anything or do anything, so was strange maybe they're just delaying it progressing it towards the uh, next pay-per-view coming up at uh, Clash of Champions next up we got the women's tag team championship match the Iconics getting a rematch um, against the new champions Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross um, this wasn't a wrestling clinic um, by any means it just I basically basically think this was just to put the Iconics out of their minds. They had already advertised that Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were going to be facing the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kerry Sane on Raw Monday night. So to have another title match here at SummerSlam was kind of weird. And, um, you know, I, I didn't think Alexa Bliss and Cross were really going to lose, you know, after being champion for, what, five days or six days, whatever it's been, so... Bliss and Cross, you know, I, I don't, a lot of people have a problem with them losing, or with them winning the titles, I should say, but, you know, if that, if that's what it takes to get these women tag titles back into the fold, or on TV, or, um, you know, publicize more to put them on Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, then that's fine with me, and, um, you know, Nikki Cross still gets a title, so I'm happy about it. I can't I can't complain about it too much. Nikki Cross gets her first uh, first title on the main roster. So okay, to kick the show off for real, the main card uh, submission match for the Raw Women's Championship. Natalia, um, Canada's own Natalia, taking on uh, the man, Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch. Um, really, co some cool spots here. I'd like the uh, Natalia putting in a sharpshooter like through the ropes in the uh, middle turnbuckle they did one um, like over the ropes then you see them go for each other's submissions with Natalia doing the disarmor and uh, Becky doing the sharpshooter but um yeah there was, no there was nothing um, nothing bad about this one in my opinion I think it definitely elevated Natalia. You could really see what, um, even in the loss, you know, Becky gets the win, uh, tapping Natalia out to disarm her. But I think it still elevated Natalia because I think it gained a lot of respect and a lot of um, 
viewers seeing like, oh shit, this girl can wrestle. You know, you kind of forget when she's doing these stupid little gimmicks in the back or she's not on TV. You know, you forget uh, a girl like Natalia could really go. So they, um, you know, they did a good job there putting them in the beginning, I think, because you have uh, three women's matches and you also have uh, your superstar in Becky Lynch. You have a uh, Canadian, Canada's own Natalia. So I think that was the right choice to start off. I thought it was going to be this or Charlotte and Trish could have started it off just because of the uh, star power there and uh, Trish obviously being from Canada as well. But um, either way, I, I liked it starting off here. Like I said, Becky retains. Not so happy about it because it's like, you know, where does she go from here? Um, but, you know, we'll see what... We'll see what they do. I'm sure they have something big planned for Monday nights. I don't um, think Natalia's going to get a rematch after losing a uh, decisive submission match the way she did. Um, you know, it's hard to claim for a rematch after you lose a submission match, even though she did perform well. Like I said, she did really, uh, really did perform well, which I I could expect none, nothing less from Natalia. Um, you know, I've been defending her. A lot saying you know she can really go I think she does deserve the spot where a lot of people push back on her but I think she could um, really hold her own in the ring I think she proved that on uh, Sunday night there in Toronto uh, second match on the main card Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler quick squash match here um, I just got a little surprised with Dolph starting off with this, the two quick super kicks and um, Goldberg kicking out at one each time. A lot of bad feedback on that. You know, should you, should he have kicked out at two or two and a half or, you know, basically no selling the two super kicks, which um, I don't think Goldberg went into business for himself. I think either him and Dolph agreed on that or, you know, maybe somebody from Creative or Vince or the writers or whatever agreed on that, um, you know, to... They were obviously trying to rebuild Goldberg here after that uh, showdown match against The Undertaker. So, you know, I, I think they, that that was the goal here. Not only with the kickouts at one, but then the uh, numerous times of Dolph just laying on the ground, rolling around in the ring uh, after being beaten, and which I timed it at a minute and 48 seconds. So not even two minutes he got beat. And then he wants to cut promos saying that Goldberg wasn't man to man or man enough to face him uh, face to face or face a man to man whatever the hell he was saying and I was like dude you just got beat in like two minutes at a major show you know SummerSlam one of the biggest for the one of the biggest uh, shows of the year and um, you know it's not like Goldberg attacked him from behind or you know I just I just didn't get that promo it was obviously something written uh, I don't think Dolph came up with that on his own because it just didn't make sense. Um, so I don't know, man. Dolph's in the in the shitter. I don't know if he's on his way back out again or if he just fucking pissed Goldberg off or Goldberg doesn't like him or somebody backstage doesn't like him. or I just... Um, I don't know, man, but that whole segment was just shit. I'm surprised he even got the, kick, the super kicks. But then you can't even give him credit for the super kicks because, like I said, Goldberg kicked out at one 
uh, you know, two times in a row. So it's like I can't even give Dolph for getting, I can't even give credit to Dolph for getting the uh, super kicks off because they didn't do anything. Kicked out at one, you know, and then he proceeded to eat about, uh, you know, four spears and a jackhammer and, um, you know, made himself look like a clown on the mic. So I have no idea what's going on with Dolph. I don't know if he's headed on out or if he's just going to keep playing this role as like, you know, baiting people into matches just to get beat up. I have no idea, but it was a, it's a quick fall from having, uh, you know, WWE title matches against Kofi, what, two months ago maybe, stomping grounds and the, the Super Showdown show. Um, now this is what Dolph's doing. So that was, that was a quick fall, man. Next up, U.S. title match champion AJ Styles defending against the uh, one and only Ricochet. Ricochet had some badass uh, ring gear here, full full suit, full body suit, which he usually doesn't wear. Um, usually doesn't wear a shirt or anything on on his torso, but comes out rocking the full body suit. And um, one of my friends, while I was watching the show, it noticed he had the R. I'm trying to figure out, at first he looked like Black Panther, but I'm saying Black Panther doesn't have no blue in him, and then, you know, the guy I'm watching the show with, you know, points out there's the R on, like, the hip or the leg, I forget where exactly it was, and it, it was, like, the Robin um, symbol from uh, Batman and Robin, and then it clicks for me, oh, that's uh, freaking Nightwing, so, you know, Ricochet comes out as Nightwing, you know, and... You know, sorry, Ricochet, but you come out dressed as a jobber, and uh, you know you end up doing the job, man. You can't come out, you can't come out dressed as Robin, thinking you're gonna win a, a U.S. title match. You should have came out as Batman or uh, Superman or you know one of those prominent guys. You can't come out as a sidekick. But either way, uh, AJ does get the win here, retains. I I think this was the right decision. I think you know you start playing a uh, hot potato with the U.S. belt then it starts to mean less, especially when it's between the same two guys. Ricochet had the belt, you know, AJ Styles, um, you know, won it from him, you know, so I think AJ Styles wins here, kind of ends this feud, and um, let's see where they go here. So AJ should get a whole new feud, hopefully after SummerSlam. Um, and I think... This wasn't what it was supposed to be, you know, I know people, match of the year, match of the night, candidates, you know, show stealer, whatever you want to call them, you know, it's still a good match, guys, just because it wasn't, you know, Gargano and Adam Cole, or it wasn't, you know, a, a Styles, a John Cena match, listen, these guys still put on a good match, it wasn't a bad match, just because they weren't in there for 45 minutes doing, you know, flips and handstands and all this other shit that everybody wants to see now. You know, and I still thought it was a good match. It was a good match. They they told a good story with the um with the um uh what you call it? OC hanging around ringside since they didn't have a match. The Raw Tag Champs, you know, they were they were hanging around side uh around ringside, and um, but I still thought they they told a good story. They uh you know they still didn't make each other look bad I think both of them still look strong coming out of it I think they're still both um, top contenders on Raw 
obviously AJ with the US belt, but we'll see where they go with Ricochet. He's not just going to go away. They're definitely going to find something for Ricochet to do now. Um, it would be interesting if they put him with Bray Wyatt, I think. I just don't know if Ricochet... We haven't heard Ricochet cut a lot of um, promos, a lot of... Um, you know, he's been paired with a lot of guys, in this case with AJ. He's been paired with some guys that could definitely talk up a rivalry by themselves. And um, so maybe they do want to put him with Bray, so Bray could kind of carry that in, doing the Firefly Funhouse segments and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I don't think... Uh, the only thing I, I would fear about putting him with Bray is Bray has to keep winning for now. Um, so... I don't know if they want to have Ricochet lose a second feud in a row, but it depends where they go with Ricochet. Maybe, maybe, um, I can't really think of anybody else at the moment. Maybe it's slipping my mind. Uh, just Bray stands out a lot to me. I, I think that would be a solid, um, non-title feud, um, you know, with, uh, Bray and Ricochet, and I think the matches would be really good, too. All right, back into the um, SmackDown Women's Championship match. SmackDown Live Women's Champion Bailey defending against the challenger, uh, Ember Moon. You know this wasn't um, this wasn't uh, wasn't bad, wasn't great, didn't stand out. Um, you know, tough spot for them to be in here. Really, like, smack dab in the middle of the card halfway through. Um, and I think it would have maybe stood out more if Ember Moon would have won. But, you know, Bailey retains. I never really felt like she was going to lose. Um, no one really... I don't think a lot of people still see Ember Moon as a real threat. So I think if she would have won, it would have been, like, a nice surprise, a nice shock. Um... Especially seeing that Becky already retained her belt on Raw. Maybe at least have one new women's champion. Um, you know, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defended their titles on the pre-show. The uh, women's tag titles. So it's like, you know, a lot of titles retained this weekend. I don't think, I think there was only one title change all weekend between TakeOver and uh, SummerSlam. And, you know, you think of how many titles they have. In the WWE right now, so it is kind of kind of strange to see only one title be switched, um, especially at a big weekend like SummerSlam weekend. But you know they like where all the champions are at, and they definitely like where Bailey's at on SmackDown. She's not doing it for me anymore. Like um, I think I said this on my preview show, I would have had Ember Moon win just to see what she could do with it. You know, and this was her first match against Bailey, so maybe you have her win, and you know you get Bailey back. And if Ember Moon isn't doing good with it or whatever, you just put it back on Bailey, or you put it back on uh, one of those other girls on SmackDown. I just, um, I don't know. Bailey just doesn't do it for me anymore. I think she needs a, a heel turn or a um, something. I, I just, I just not digging her as champ right now. But they obviously are, so um, Bailey retains. Next up, Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. If Kevin Owens loses, he has to quit. 
um, this didn't feel like somebody's career was on the line. Like it didn't feel like Kevin Owens was going to lose at any point, even with um, Elias coming down as the. Uh, well, he had a referee shirt on, so I guess he was like the outside referee because they still had the inside referee, so he wasn't even really the special guest referee. And not only that, but he did take a spear from Edge. Uh, Edge surprise appearance came out and speared Elias on the pre-show and then two two and a half hours later here you're seeing Elias fully healthy and recovered and with a referee shirt on that's some of the that's some of the stuff I hate I kind of kind of shits on edge in my opinion but um I don't know they kind of um you know they do these things sometimes to just to get pops and storylines and um, you know, they could have had somebody else definitely come out and do that for Shane, maybe like a Drew McIntyre or one of the other guys he's been running around with, uh, maybe the Revival or something. I don't think you, like, had to have Elias out there as your enforcer, whatever the hell he was, but um, I thought it was good. I thought I thought it was a, a, a decent match from for what it was. Too much... Um, too much hokey stuff going on with the, you know, KO and Elias arguing outside and, uh, you know, Elias distracting the referee. I do like the finish where the ref t takes the chair from Kevin Owens. Uh, you know, they were playing up, you know, Shane was daring KO to hit him with the chair, hit him with the chair, because then, you know, obviously if he gets disqualified, you know, he'll have to quit, he'll lose the match. So I thought that was a little bit... Um, Pretty good storytelling, selling by Shane and uh, KO, making the the chair part of the whole storyline. Um, but yeah, the, so the ref grabs the the chair from uh, uh, KO, and then while the ref is getting the chair out of the ring, throwing the chair out, KO hits hits Shane with a nasty low blow, stunner one two three. So KO wins, pins Shane. And um, looks like they're going full throttle here with KO on SmackDown Live. I don't know um, who's really next for Kevin Owens. Um, you know, we'll obviously see on Tuesday night, see what he's up to. But I think he'll still be in a uh, a major major storyline because um, you know KO got the huge pop when he came out. He got the huge pop when he won. Um, obviously, being in Canada definitely helped. But I think if they were in uh, Mexico or England or you know anywhere around the world I think KO still would have had the same um, or somewhat the same uh, reaction KO is a huge star heel or face but now that he's the face and he beat a guy like Shane McMahon um, yeah he's ready he's he's ready to get back uh, another title um, and run with it on uh, Smackdown Live Okay, next up, the final uh, women's match that night, Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair. This had a really slow, slow start for me, but, um, you know, once they got going, man, they, they really, they really brought the, the wood here. You had some cool spots. The one that was my favorite was when Trish put the uh, figure eight onto Charlotte, which I thought was awesome. Um, but... That, you know, it was really, 
depending on how you look at it, this could have been, you know, your first great match of the night, about seven or eight matches in, wherever we're at. Um, so, so, you know, maybe they did put the, uh, you know, maybe they m made the right decision putting it as late as they did. Um, but I think the fans really got invested into it too, even though there was no title on the line, there was no... Um, you know, let's say there was no career on the line like KO was. This match still felt bigger than a lot of those matches. Um, maybe the Raw Women's title felt bigger, but you know, that's maybe about it. it this definitely felt bigger than the KO match, in my opinion. This definitely felt bigger than the uh, you know U.S. title and the SmackDown Live uh, Women's Championship. So I don't think it was. Um, it, you know, it wasn't a spot fest. It was just, you know, two pros in there just working and uh, working the crowd. And, um, you know, we'll see where they go. Charlotte gets the win here, which I agree with she should have. I don't think it does anything for Trish to win because she's not on the active roster. It's not like she's going to climb up, you know, the rankings here. So I think it was still right to have Charlotte win. Um was supposed to be Trish's farewell match um, I don't know about that after after that match I, I could see definitely see WWE wanting to bring her back in for a uh, Royal Rumble or even a Wrestlemania match against one of the other talents maybe a Becky Lynch or a Bailey or you know something like that so we'll see where they go with that I don't, I don't think Trish before the match she was saying it was her fa farewell match and now she kind of backtracked on Twitter there and said, you know, she's just going to take some time off and, and contemplate where she's at right now. So we'll see. I think Trish could still draw money. She could obviously still work, I mean, after that match. Um, so we'll see where they go with her. But I think Charlotte, as far as Charlotte concerned, she'll have to be next in line for Bailey SmackDown Live Women's Title. I mean, I don't really see anybody else who's going to pop up there on SmackDown with... Um, Bailey pretty much getting rid of Ember Moon in a you know in one shot one match here. Next up, WWE Championship, uh, Kofi Kingston, the champion, defending against the Viper, the Apex Predator, the 14-time WWE Champion, Randy Orton. Um, I thought this whole match was very good, very solid. Um, Kofi doing it by himself, hanging out with the, um, uh, New Day, you know, sending the New Day back to the, to the backstage area, saying, you know, I got this SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions New Day, by the way, who just made a short appearance on the show, um, but it does end in a double countout after Randy has the Champion Kofi Kingston outside the ring in front of Kofi's family there, his kids and his wife and whoever else he had there front row. And, um, you know, kind of talking trash to him or whatever. And then Kofi, uh, you know, gets fired up, fights back. And then all of a sudden you hear a bell ring. And you're like, wait, what the fuck happened? It, he can't, he's not going to DQ him for throwing punches. It's not like Kofi hit him with a chair or did anything crazy. And, you know, the ring announcer announces it's been a double count out. And I'm like, double count? They didn't even show the ref counting. Like, they didn't sell it at all. Like, at least if you're going to do that, at least, you know, sell it. Let me see the ref at six. Let me see the ref at eight. 
Yeah, let me see the counts going up. You, you know, you're showing Randy and Kofi outside the ring doing this and doing that, and all of a sudden the bell's ringing. It's like, I don't know. It was a weird finish for me. I, I don't know if this is Randy backstage or if this is just the people backstage just like, uh, you know, not letting Kofi get a win over Randy, which I, I stated earlier several times that Kofi needed this win. If Kofi... Um, his title reign has sucked lately. He's had one match against a, a heel, Kevin Owens, who's now arguably the biggest face in the company. He had one match against Samoa Joe, and he had a bunch of matches against Dolph Ziggler that he was never going to lose at Saudi Arabia and the steel cage match at Stomping Grounds, which, don't get me wrong, these were all good matches, but he, he never really had a threat to his title. Nobody thought Dolph was going to win the WWE title. Nobody thought Samoa Joe was going to win because Samoa Joe's a Raw guy. So they're not going to have a Raw guy win the WWE title. So that was just a one-off. So I thought, um, you know, even his rematch against Daniel Bryan was on a Raw. It was like, you know, yeah, it was the main event of Raw, cool, but it was still on a Raw. It wasn't like a big build or a big pay-per-view. You know, he beat Daniel at WrestleMania. That's, that's still his biggest win, and that was freaking in April. We're halfway through August, and the guy still doesn't have a good, um, you know, bullet point on his resume to say, hey, look at that. That's, you know, well, damn, I, I can't believe Kofi did that. What a title reign. Title reign sucked. And now, instead of giving him a big win over a guy like Randy Orton, a 14-time champ, Hall of Famer, at, uh, you know, one of the biggest shows of the year, SummerSlam, now you're going to have him in a double countout. So we're just gonna drag this out again. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't get it. This title reign has sucked, in my opinion. I love Kofi. I love, like I said, the matches have been great, but the title mat, the title reign, as a whole. If you look at his title reign, you know, defeats Kevin Owens, one off, defeats Dolph Ziggler in Saudi Arabia, was never gonna lose the title in Saudi Arabia, defeats Dolph Ziggler at Stomping Grounds, was never gonna lose the title to Dolph. Uh, defeats uh, Samoa Joe at Extreme Rules or whatever it was was never going to lose because Samoa Joe like I said is on Raw so we're not going to have two champions on Raw with the Universal Belt and WWE Belt so now now uh, let's add to the resume double count out no contest against Randy Orton at SummerSlam like you know it's a WWE title it's SummerSlam you got to give me a finish you gotta give me a finish, um, you know. You, you know, you heard the crowd chant bullshit, and they were booing, and you know, you don't want to hear that. And you know, I know they're gonna sell it as, oh, Toronto, that's crazy up here in Toronto. Canada's wild. Nah, it, it was all over the internet. Everybody thought it was bullshit. So, don't give me that uh, Toronto fucking shit. But um, yeah I, I still think like I said I still think this was a good match it's Kofi could fucking wrestle obviously Randy could get somebody over as that douchebag heel but um you know I still thought it was a good match I just thought you know what the fuck with that finish man it, it's kind of bullshit that you know that he can't win he can't get a pin over Randy Orton in SummerSlam I you know if you can't beat a guy then you're not supposed to be champ then you're just telling me that everything that Randy Orton said 
and all this stuff about Kofi not being ready and Kofi doesn't deserve it and you know Kofi can't do it without the New Day you know all this different shit that's been said you know you're telling me it's true you're telling me it's true and you're making your champ look like an asshole and um I, I just don't like when they do that cause then if you're making him look like an asshole then why is he your champ it you know I don't know the uh, Finn Balor versus The Fiend match. This was freaking awesome, dude. The entrance. Oh, man. Where do I begin? Okay. Um, it pounds out. Let him in on the big thing. You know, obviously all the lights go out. Finn's in the ring wearing all white, by the way. Um, no demon. No demon Jones. Getting the, uh, getting the, the all white going on the white leather jacket the white trunks the white boots i actually i actually like the look to be honest with you um it reminded me of the uh, all white Shawn michaels when he went into that wrestlemania against the undertaker god i want to say it was like wrestlemania 25 or one of the, one of those wrestlemanias um you fucking marks out there i'm sure know the, the time and date and you know everything about it but you know, Shawn Michaels had you know, had the whole white cowboy hat and the white jackets and the pants. That's what Finn reminded me here, especially going against a character like The Fiend. Um, coming out in all white, I think, was symbolic of trying to be that light, be that um, different uh, character, you know, go, go against the darkness of The Fiend. Which little shit like that matters to me, I think, you know. Um, but... I'm not going to say the match was the best of the night, but this the, the, the segment was the best of the night. If you want to talk about between Finn Balor wearing the white, the white suits, the white uh, trunks, I should say, with the white jacket. You want to talk about Bray's entrance with the new remix. This new song is like a uh, remix of the old one. And God, I pro I've probably listened to it about seven or eight times already on YouTube. I'm waiting for him to put it on Spotify. Um, but God, man, it's like, it's just a new, like rock, uh, remix, like a, a heavy metal remix of his old song, which is awesome. It's basically just the same lyrics, but, um, you know, it's not as quiet as the other one was, I should say. And, uh, so anyway, he comes out, um, walking with the lantern like he used to do. But instead of just a lantern, now it's the old Bray Wyatt. It's like his old character's head with, you know, the red hair highlight and the dreads or whatever they're called. I think, you know, whatever they're called. Uh, the long hair. And it it's his head as a friggin' lantern. So his mouth is like ripped open. And, you know, you got the light in there obviously shining. Um, heavy smoke everywhere. Um cameras it was shot awesome because it was shot how like like one time you know bray would be like on the left side of the screen and it would like go dark for a minute and then he would be like on the right side and then and then it would go dark and then you like be in the middle of him so he kind of didn't really know where he was kind of um it was shot very good i thought um but once he once he obviously got to the ring you could see all all the phones lighting up and the uh the fireflies lighting up and um, he drops that lantern on the on the ring apron. Um, man, gets in the ring, you know, does his little thing, and, and for the hard camera, runs back, throws himself into the turnbuckle. 
uh, you know, kind of squats down to, to the middle rope and like leans on the middle rope. And they do a shot where you see the lantern, perfect shot of the lantern still sitting on the apron. And then you have Bray in the background, or the Fiend, I should say, in the background, um, hanging out in the middle rope. And, um, man, I thought that, I mean, you see it all over. I think even WWE, that's the photo they used um, to, you know, say the Fiend is here or whatever, you know, however they said it. Um, and man, what a great shot that was. But, um... Oof, they they had one shot to get this right. You know, obviously the debut, huge show, SummerSlam. Um, huge spot right after the WWE title match. Um, so, you know, this is like, you know, the co-main event, if you will, if you want to do that. Um, I You know, I still believe there's only one main event. It's the last fucking match on. But not saying this should have been the main event. Don't get me wrong. But I like how they had it really, really late in the night. Um as their, you know, I'm sure they'll sell it as their co-main event or their triple main event, whatever they want to sell it as. But, um, yeah, they had one shot to get this right. And, um, they got it right fucking tenfold between the music and Bray's look and the freaking lantern and the way the camera shot it. And, uh, the lighting when he got into the ring, they did that crazy lighting, you know, with the uh, spotlights, I mean, literally every every part of the entrance was freaking phenomenal. Um, I'm not sure how much part Bray had um, involved in this. I'm sure um, he at least had the music involved. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm pretty sure that was at least his doing with the music. Um, now I'm not sure about the lantern or the, you know, obviously the way they shoot it. I don't think Bray had had, had control of like how they shoot it and produce it and all that stuff. But I'm sure Bray had at least some kind of say in this entrance. Um, you know, just awesome stuff. You know, Finn gets a few moves off here, but, you know, he didn't have Bray squash him. It was sort of like a semi-squash. Um, but I think, you know, he just had these little things, like, I think they did one spot where Finn went to run into the corner, and Bray did, like, his backwards, um, he, he did the thing where he, like, holds his head upside down, and his hair's hanging down, and, you know, it's kind of stopped Finn in his tracks in the middle of the ring, you know, just little stuff like that they did, um, throughout the night, uh, Fiend obviously gets the win here with the mandible claw. Um, he went for the sister Abigail, I think, once or twice, and Finn reversed it. So, um, you know, he, he's obviously still going to use that, but I think now, I think that's going to be more of his signature. Um, I think it's going to, I think the mandible claw is really going to be pushed as his finisher. And you saw that here. I think it does make him more um, relentless. Like, you know, you put your hand in this guy's mouth and just, like, suffocate him. You know, I think that really does fit the Fiend. Um, that's a really a uh, sick way to get wins in a wrestling match. But, um, man, I, I mentioned Ricochet for the Fiend earlier. If he's on Raw, I'm assuming he's on Raw. I think it was mentioned he was on Raw. But, I mean, if you want to use him on SmackDown, um... Shoot, I don't know. I, right, right off the top of my head for Raw, I think Ricochet and I think The Miz 
So I think the Miz really needs something to do. And I think the Miz um, could obviously carry the promos. And uh, and I think Miz can't afford the loss. But I don't think Ricochet can afford the loss now after just losing, you know, that feud with AJ Styles. I don't think you want to book Ricochet into a, a uh, losing streak here. I think Miz can afford the loss. I don't think Miz is going to be hurt by a loss to a guy like Bray. So um, if they want to give me a Bray and Miz a uh, little few there, I think that would be cool. But um, as far as SmackDown goes, I, I don't know who he would really do. I don't know if you want to put him with Roman yet. They still haven't settled this uh, Roman and uh, Eric Rowan and Daniel Bryan thing. Um, and I, I just don't know who else would be good on SmackDown. I don't think you could put him with Kevin Owens because that's just, you know, who's going to win? You know, I, I see a lot of stuff about Aleister Black. But, you know, again, who's going to win? You want you want both of those guys to win. So, you know, I think Bray still needs to to be booked as, um, you know, like I said, a guy like The Miz who could afford a loss. Or um, even if you want to do Dolph Ziggler, I guess. But, you know, just guys that can afford the loss, it's not going to hurt them. And um, I think would would be best for Bray's uh, next opponent. All right, main event time. Universal Championship. Uh, Universal Champion. Brock Lesnar defending against Challenger, uh, the Architect, the Beast Slayer, the uh, King Slayer, whatever the hell you want to call him these days, Seth Rollins. And um, this was for what I thought. Now I thought Brock was going to win. I thought Brock was going to wipe the mat with him. I, I didn't see them. Having Brock win the Money in the Bank, having Brock cash in the Money in the Bank last month at Extreme Rules um, to win the belt, and then I didn't see them um, taking the belt off of him a month later at you know SummerSlam, but they did here. Seth gets the win. They had some crazy spots here. You know, he's doing frog splashes off the top of the uh, turnbuckle onto the announce table on top of Brock. He had a spot where Brock. Um, grabbed the uh, tape around Seth Rollins' midsection and was kind of holding him up by it and like swung him around the ring and then slung him onto the ground. I mean, I think that was a cool spot of the of the match. But I think, um, you know, he did, he did eat a lot of suplexes, uh, Seth Rollins did. I think he even took an F5. Um, great um, near fall with I think it was the first curb stomp Seth hit. Everybody thought that was it. And uh, Brock kicked out with like half a millisecond left. And um, really got the crowd into it. Um, but this was good, man. No low blows, no sneak attacks. Um, you know, I, I think Rollins just, the story they were telling is Rollins gunning it out. You know, beats Lesnar clean in the center of the ring. And, um, that, that's saying something for Seth here because like you know Lesnar doesn't get beat you know he, Lesnar gets beat by guys like John Cena you know he got beat by um, Triple H a while ago at, the, at Wrestlemania well you know when they were fighting um, Roman Reigns I think has had a few uh, victories over Brock so I mean when you're talking about those names you know Seth Rollins is in that category now of 
guys who just flat out just beat Brock, man. I mean, like I said, no low blows, no steel chairs, like you know, like we've seen before. Um, you know, none of that, man. Just a fucking straight out uh, wrestling match. Um, and Seth wins. You know, I think this is really gonna kick off Rollins' run. I think this run will be way better. He's not gonna have a feud like he did with Baron Corbin for five or six months. Which I like the Baron Corbin feud, but I thought it was I thought it ran a month too long. I don't I didn't like the extreme rules, the mixed match, the tag match stuff they did. I think they could have saved us from that. I, I didn't think that needed to be done. Um But I think now Seth has to get into a feud for two or three months and you know, that's it. You know, like a regular champ. I don't need these five month feuds or these six month rivalries. You know, I, I think you gotta keep him fresh. I think that um, the fact that his Baron Corbin run was so long kind of hurt him as champ last time, and then you mix in the fact that he's, uh, you know, doing the the whole date thing with Becky and all oh, their dating, and you know, who cares? He's a Universal Champ. Can we get a uh, you know serious story going on here? That's like that's like a you know a P or C storyline of who's dating who, and you know who, here's your boyfriend and girlfriend story. That's not that's not a uh, heavyweight title uh, storyline um, but nonetheless um, Seth is the universal champion once again so we'll see where he goes from here a lot of people want to see Bray Wyatt challenge him I, I don't want to see that so he, he's had one match let's let, let's build Bray up for a Royal Rumble win or a uh, Wrestlemania you know what I mean let's build him up here it's only August Let's, like I said, let Bray go fight a guy like a Miz or a Dolph or somebody who could afford a loss. Let Seth go on and um, can't really think of anybody at the moment for Seth. Honestly, it's, uh, I would like to see him fight AJ, but AJ has the U.S. belt. And I don't know if they want to do. You know, they have the Clash of Champions coming up, so maybe they want to do a champion versus champion match. It would kind of fit the. Uh, the mold and with so many titles they're gonna have so many matches because they have so many titles on the uh, on the brand now so maybe that would like save a match spot you know now that I think about it that could, that could definitely save a match spot if you put two champions um, on the same show fighting for both belts but you know then again who do you have win you don't really want either one of those guys to lose um, their, their belts or the match so uh, being Seth and AJ so I don't know. We'll see where they go here. Um, Heading into Clash of Champions now is next up in September. But overall for SummerSlam, I thought it was great. I just hate the freaking double countout, man. I don't know why they did that. Uh, I'd rather just see Randy win and then give Kofi another shot down the line than than to have a double countout because that just that just uh, kind of shits on Kofi and the, like I said, the whole title run. So, um, you know, no tag titles on the show, which kind of sucks, besides the uh, women's tag titles, but no SmackDown, uh, no New Day. Um, you know, you saw the OC outside the ring at the AJ and Ricochet match. But, you know, they didn't have a match themselves. Um, no IC title, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, it's on Nakamura, so here we go again with another Nakamura I see title run and he's just not going to be on TV. I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know. But, um, you know, they, they've they act like they've never gotten 
uh, Japanese superstars over before, or they act like they've never, you know, had a language barrier with a guy. It's simply put them with a guy who could talk. Give them a fucking mouthpiece. Give them a manager. Give them a mouthpiece. Or give them, uh, put them in a feud with another guy who could talk and, you know, sell the match. He's a heel. Nakamura doesn't have to talk. You know, just do dickhead moves. Hit somebody with a low blow. Attack somebody from behind. You know, just be a heel. You don't have to sit there and talk to be a heel. You, you gotta get over, you know, if you're a baby face, then yeah, you gotta sit there and talk and get over with the crowd and all that shit. But put somebody in a feud with him that can do that for him. And then just have Nakamura, you know, be a heel to that guy. It's not, you know, it can't be that hard to get the IC title. You have the IC title. You have it on one of the best wrestlers still in the world, in my opinion, Shinsuke Nakamura. But you can't find a spot for him at SummerSlam when the pre-show started at 5 and you ran till about 10.30. So a five and a half hour show and there was just no room for it. You know, okay, you know, whatever, but that kind of, um, that's kind of stood out to me as well, and, um, just, you know, also, no, one title change, and it was at the end of the night, NXT TakeOver, SummerSlam, uh, one new champion, and that's Seth Rollins, with a clean win over Brock Lesnar, so, that also stood out to me as well, um, match of the weekend, God, I don't know. Gargano and Cole, I guess, everybody would say. Um, like I said, I really enjoyed the Charlotte and Trish match, even though it did come up to a, a slow start. I did enjoy the uh, Seth and Brock match, even though it wasn't that believable with the the broken ribs. You know, Seth's doing a million frog splashes all over the ring, but, you know, what are you going to do? That's wrestling. Um trying to think off my head I don't want to at the, the Becky and Italian match I really enjoyed I think the submissions were a little overdone you know they, they did about 18 sharpshooters and 16 disarmers but um you know they could have threw in a rear naked choke or something there or a uh, figure four or a uh, arm bar or something you know switch it up a little bit but you know I'm not going to sit there and nitpick about it I thought it was still a good match that was a bunch of good matches. You know, I think overall, I think WWE killed it this weekend. Bunch of good matches. Um, I can't think of any like terribly bad matches. I think Bailey and Ember Moon just didn't have it. The Shayna Shayna Baszler never does it for me um, on the NXT side. She she just never does it for me. But other than that, I don't think there was any bad matches. You know, you want to talk about a about a uh, let's see about. 12 matches I think was on SummerSlam or 10 10 or 12 something like that and then you have 5 over on the TakeOver so you're talking 15 to 18 matches here within the span of 2 days and you had maybe one bad one maybe 2 bad ones you know um, so I, I think overall it was a great weekend um, I want to thank uh, BJ from Aussie Lucian again for joining me here today on the, uh, the takeover side of things and I wrap things up for you guys with the uh, SummerSlam part of it once again thank you guys for listening go give me a follow at Wyman Podcast 1 on Twitter uh, running polls over there running giveaway we just finished our summer, our first uh, SummerSlam giveaway me and uh, Overtime Heroics go follow them at OT Heroics 1 on Twitter 
um, you know, we did a nice little SummerSlam giveaway there, giving away some uh, SummerSlam-themed uh, merchandise. So, um, you know, go go follow me on there. Go follow them. Join their website. Good guys over there. And uh, thanks for joining me. I'll catch you guys. My next episode will probably be later in the week. Doing the uh, have a uh, classic match rewind still to do. I ran a poll a few days ago. I finished. I just you know, SummerSlam weekend got me so caught up and so busy with this stuff. I uh, haven't had time to record it yet, um, but I will get to it. It will be out later this week. And once again, appreciate you guys for all the listens. And I'll catch you next time on the uh, for a classic match rewind. Be safe out there, guys. <laughs>